0: You're listening to Melissa and Lori Love Literacy. Welcome to Feel Good Friday. Our guest, Deidre Mayberry, saw a need for change in adult literacy. So she started a nonprofit called Reading to New Heights that provides a safe place for adults to build their literacy skills at no cost. We can't wait to talk with Deidre.
1: Welcome, teacher friend. I'm Lori. And I'm Melissa. We are two literacy educators in Baltimore. We want the best for all kids, and we know you do too. Our district recently adopted
0: a new literacy curriculum, which meant a lot of change for everyone. Lori and I can't wait to keep learning about literacy with you today.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Melissa and Lori Love Literacy, Literacy Podcast. Today, we are discussing a super important topic, adult literacy. Yeah, and we're here with
0: Deidre Mayberry. She was a struggling reader herself growing up, and then she founded Reading to New Heights, which is a nonprofit that focuses on supporting adults to build their literacy skills. So welcome. Welcome, Deidre.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
1: (laughs) We're so glad that we're here. We're so glad we connected. And we're hoping that you might be able to just start off by telling us your story. How did you get to this point of creating a nonprofit for something that you struggled with when you were younger?
2: Yeah, so um, I can't tell the story about the nonprofit without going back a little bit. So um, growing up as a child, um, one, I come from a really big family, and I come from a military family. So there was lots of moving around. So just the normal like social norms that children go through, and then couple that with uh, being a struggling reader. So a lot of that because it was new schools, new teachers it was really that relationship building that I was afraid to share that I needed help. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to be liked by the new, you know, by the kids being the new kid. So you just kind of like, I just never really shared that I needed the support. And uh, like I said, I had seven other siblings at home. So in that there was, you know, we're fighting for like our parents time to help us. Right. With homework. <laughs> um, so really I just, I kind of just fell back you know and i really just tried to do my best to like make it by without you know being exposed um I just felt so much shame as a young child. And then, you know, as I kept going through, they noticed something was off from like my grades. So uh, that is when I got put into special education. So I was in special ed classes and I was doing better and I felt really good. But there was something when I was going into that third year that I was like, I'm missing something. And um, it was just really important for me to, um, to not be behind um as i felt it and i realized that as as a young child and um when my dad got stationed back from um you know being in korea i let him know i have to get out of special ed i have to be able to be a normal like you know the regular classes um and you know we kind of went through that Deidre, everything on paper says you have to be here as your parent i can remove you but it's going to be a hard journey moving forward um, how alive. old were you at this
0: time teacher?
2: <laughs> um, so I had to be 12.
0: I was really? 12 years old advocating for yourself. I love yeah. it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm just so, uh, yeah. And I'm so happy that as my parent, he like supported yeah. that for me too, because he could have said no, you know, and I really, I think about that all the time. And I just like, thank you for saying yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, You know, so in that, you know, we started moving forward and it was super, um, defeating at first. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like everything was great. I really questioned myself a lot. Um, I still had to find ways to hide because I I just had this big thing, of course, as a child and even as adults, you don't want anyone making fun of you. You don't want, you want, you know, you want to be liked. So it was, um, I spent a lot of time hiding. I spent a lot of time working hard to hide that I needed help versus getting the help. Um, so I, I found myself a lot. Um, anytime we were reading, I would pretend like I was sick. I would start coughing you know, when it got to me, so I would be excused. Um, and then when that method didn't work and I got made fun of, I would then go to my teacher and say, hey, Can I read first, please? Because I practiced the first um, paragraph, right? Because, you know, you kind of where you're going, you're picking up. So there was just Mm -hmm. so much extra work that was being done um, just to be able to make it. And um, where my dad was super supportive, whatever I didn't understand, he would try to re-explain it to me in a language that made sense to me. Um, and I graduated high school and we're normally like, I don't know if it's a big deal for everyone else, but it was huge for me because I know my struggle. I know, um, just what I was lacking. So that was like the biggest milestone of my life because I could have had a different story. I could have dropped out of school. I could have just been done, but I really, um, pushed through so that was super exciting. Um, and I was at that time that I was 18 that I was like, okay, let me go get help. Um, but when I started going to different like centers and things that were available, I was already over the age of 17. So I didn't qualify to be a part of those programs. Wow. So that is where um, it was three different organizations that I went to um, where I'm from. And it, it was a third one that I was like, Okay, one day I'm going to create something for people like me and now I just have to figure out how to survive. And I really went into survival mode. Um, and I forgot <laughs> that I had said I was going to create something for people like me. So I spent the next 10 years surviving. I spent the next 10 years trying to figure out a college, you know, degree that wasn't going to expose me and that wasn't too hard, a job that I can still be successful but no one would know my struggle. And what I found, what I realized at 28 was you're working so hard to hide and to make it. What happens if you work just as hard to fix it and then you're done, you know? So it was just a light bulb moment. <laughs> so I tested out like the theory of, okay, I have to now share with someone um, where I was terrified to do that. And I happened to share with one of my really good friends who was a certified educator and um, I guess everything I thought that she would say or anyone would say was the complete opposite. Um, she actually apologized um, that I was left behind and that it wasn't something that I was able to correct while I was in school. And then she started tutoring me discreetly. Um, and it was in that that um, I really started to find confidence. I realized that I had gaps in my literacy. And that there was hope, and just really filling those gaps. And as we started filling the gaps, it was just taking off. And um, I was just, I just felt more confident. I was, st- I still protected it because it was something so personal to me, and I was terrified to kind of share that that was my struggle. Um, and and it's something weird. Even when you're fixing it, it still wait, it still is weighty, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're still like, I don't want anyone to know this. So um, as I started doing the work and then I had courage to share with another friend um, and I was like, yeah, when I'm, when I retire, I'm going to, you know, go and help adults learn to read. And they were like, retire. (laughs) We're doing that now.
1: (laughs) I was going to say, you look, you look pretty young. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you're retired yet.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But that was, and and I think really when I go back and someone asks like, why were you going to wait till you retire? I think it was at that point, the shame would have been removed. I would have lived life enough. I would have felt accomplished. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have had fully fixed it for myself by then, that it wouldn't have held the same weight that it did in that present moment. Um but I am so glad <laughs> that, um, you know, I shared and that we decided to start now versus when I retire, because it, be it would be a long, a long, a long time from now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so, you know, it was just really in that that it, I, I realized the thing I was ashamed of and hiding people were waiting for me because there was something put in the inside of me to support um, a group of people that um, truly needed the support. So that's just kind of my high level story of <laughs> um, yeah. just how we got here. And then in um, 2020 is when we when we established a nonprofit. Um, in 2020, also that is when we COVID hit and there was a you know a pandemic, you know, and I remember thinking, is this a cruel joke? <laughs> you know, <laughs> finally having the courage and the very next day the city's being shut down and it was in that mm-hmm. moment that you know we really had to decide um there's no better time but now like we we're just if we're going to do it we're going to do it regardless because there's always going to be a covid or mm-hmm. you know or something that's going to stop us so do we really want to do this work um and the desire was so great that we we did yeah mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Yeah, before we get into the specifics of your nonprofit, I just want to say, first of all, thank you so much for sharing that story. I know that, I mean, you worked so hard to hide <laughs> this for so long. I know it probably takes a lot for you to actually just like talk about it. So thank you. Yes. <laughs> but also I just know how like not, you're not alone, right? You are one of many, many people. Mm-hmm. I saw it as a teacher a lot, The the mm-hmm. exact thing you're talking about, right? The kid that was I'm sick, so I got to leave, <laughs> right? <There's, laughs> yes. Or or you see like, you know, they'll even just, you know, they'll, they'll become the kid that is the problem child, right? Mm-hmm. Or the, or, I don't call them that, but they'll, you know, do whatever they need to, to get out of the classroom, even if that means getting in trouble. Right. Yes.
2: I spent a lot of time <laughs> in detention for being late and it's like purposely. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Like
0: that's, that's even better than yes. the, the shame okay. that they, that I'm going to feel for feeling mm-hmm. this way. So yeah. I just think that's really important for people to hear because, you know, it stuck with you throughout your entire, the entire time you were in school and you weren't even ready to ask for help really until you were out of school. Then you're like, okay, now I feel like I can, <laughs> I can look for some help. Um, yeah. That's just really powerful.
2: Yeah. Thank you. And, and I'm so glad you said that because that was something um, when I had the opportunity to share, you know, um, on, on a news station was terrified. I mean, even now when I talk to you, there's still a part of that shame that rises up, right. Sure. But I have to like keep it down um, and I remember, like the phones ringing off the hook in the office, and people who identified with my story were like, oh, "I've been waiting on something like this." I've been, wa-. and it just kept going. And it was in that moment that I was like, "Man, I've been hiding, and they've been waiting on me, waiting on them, waiting on me to give them hope, to give them a resource, to give them a solution to something that really feels hopeless, um, and and so hopeless that it's paralyzing." And um, And then I realized I wasn't alone because a lot of times when you go through something, you think you're the only one. Like, why is this my story? Why did I have to go through this? And not that I want anyone to like identify and share in my story, but so many people do that you realize like, oh, okay, so I'm not the only one. And where there was so much shame attached, could the work have been done sooner? Could we really Mm -hmm. have started, you know, working on this sooner? But, um, you know, (laughs)
0: You know, on this podcast, we usually want to talk, we talk to a lot of people who are doing work in the elementary level, even the secondary level, because we want to do exactly what you just said, Deidre, which is like, can we fix this problem as soon as possible, right? Can we get kids reading as quickly as we can so that they don't have to feel what you did going through school, but... We know that's not always, right? That's not always the mm-hmm. case. So can you tell us a little bit about Reading to New Heights and what you all do to improve literacy?
2: Yeah. So um, before I share, um, I will say this. A lot of the times, you know, we look at um, really trying to get the problem at a early, young age. And what we fail to realize or look at sometimes is that their parents are a direct link to them. So a lot of the times if you have a child that's struggling with reading, does the parent struggle with reading? Does do the does the parent have the resources to teach and to really be an advocate for their child? And a lot of times it's it's not the case. Um and as you all know, reading is like the English language is so special. It's very <laughs> difficult. <is> so special. <laughs> yes. It is like the hardest language to learn. Um, <laughs> and there's so many exceptions to the rules and just all of the things. So when you take someone who this is not their gifting, it's not their skill set. They don't understand or really know all the rules because some people, they just know how to read because they know how to read. But if they had to go and teach someone and break down, they wouldn't be able to do that. So when we think about the parents, we think about the parents because they are direct connection to the child. And when we talk about generational, um, you know, things that kind of get passed down or just norms, that's, I feel like we have an opportunity to really support on the different end, to really be able to pour into the child. Because I have the utmost respect for teachers because a a teacher has a really unique space to really um, empower a child and just pour in and they and that that could be one or two ways it could be for the good or for the bad right so there's it's such a powerful space but i also think that we put too much on teachers and where it should really be a partnership between the parent and the teacher and a lot of times we're just seeing the teacher having to do it all and so in that um i think that if we can equip the adults with what is needed to really support the child to be able to help with homework, to to help understand, to read, to explain, it will help to build that love. Um, So that is why at uh, the nonprofit, we really focus on creating a safe place for adults to improve their literacy skills. And what we do is we teach them as if they're learning for the very first time. We go back to the fundamentals of reading and we give them the foundation and we make sure that that foundation is solid. So we're not trying to do a quick, how can we get you to do all these things? We're just trying to equip you with what is what is the basics of, of this English language and how do we equip you and make sure that you're strong in that? Because reading is, is, um, is a buildable and even when you're done learning, you're still learning as you read and as you open up the pages of your favorite books or just different things. Um, so we really focus on that piece of it and which can be challenging because we're dealing with adults and we're teaching them, you know, how to sound out their their letters and asking what, you know, diagraphs are, and you know, blends and all of that. But it's really helping to make sure that they have a solid foundation. And in that, we realize that... Um, those with learning differences really need something unique to them, um, because when you're in a classroom setting, that's how you can um, people can fall through the cracks. Because when you ask the, the question of, um, "Did everyone understand?" If you don't understand, and everyone else says you don't want to raise your hand, so no one's saying anything. <laughs> so you're moving on, and you're like, "I have no idea what's happening." But I'm not raising my hand because yeah. they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it, so we really focus on that that piece of. Um, truly just giving them the fundamentals of reading as if they're learning for the first time. And uh, we do it discreetly. So again, we know that shame is stopping a lot of people from getting help because um, we're not the first adult uh, organization that supports adults with their literacy. But I ask the question, if there's, if there is 130 million adults that are not reading proficiently above a sixth grade level, why are they not going to these programs and why are they not able to get the help that they need And shame, shame, um, time constraints, or just special circumstances really kind of fit that bucket, right? So that's why we really focus on a one-on-one individual approach so that we can support the adult learner and make sure that they have what they need so they can be successful.
1: Can you share a little bit about what that looks like? Is it in person? Is it virtual? What happens? And is there a cost associated with this?
2: Yeah, all oh, great questions. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so it is actual. Vir- it's actually virtual. Um, so we do it virtually as part of the discrete method of no one has to see you walk into a building that has a name. Um, so it's virtual. It is free of cost to the adult learner. So uh, one thing we also understood is, as you guys know, tutoring is expensive, um, and some people, if they don't have the financial means, they will they won't work on it. So um, we provide um, free uh, for an adult learner who wants to improve on their literacy skills, and um, yeah, we just we just really believe that it is such an essential skill that everyone deserves to be able to have it if they want it.
1: Makes me sad that it, that it, there's so many adults out there, and that. I'm so grateful to you, but it also makes me really sad at the same time that this is definitely a problem that we have the solution to. And I think about that all the time. Like Mm -hmm. we know how to teach kids to read. We know how to teach adults to read. We know how to teach people to read and we still don't do it. And we let them fall through the cracks. And I just, I know the listeners of this podcast are so invested in not only learning more about their craft and to improve, but really committed to that, to that idea that we know how to do this and let's do it. Like this is important yeah. and this is ours. So thank you for, for sharing all of that. Thank you for keeping it cost-free and shameless. Yeah. Thank you.
2: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, you make so many great points and, and I think a lot of, you know, we do have the resources, we do know how, but I think when we, when we rush into how do we get, when we, when we start looking at the quality versus the quantity of what we're doing, that's where the problem lies. So anyway, those are just...
1: <laughs> Do you have any success stories that you might be able to share with us? Any any adult success stories that stand out to you?
2: Yeah. So I mean, there's so many. And, and because and again, it's so personal to me, you know, I, I, we have, um, let's see, so we have um, an adult learner that when she first started, she was terrified about, you know, I only can meet between this time and this time because I was when my husband is gone. I can't allow anybody to know what I'm working on. And just the fear of not even my husband can know. Mm-hmm. Um, and as she has been going through our program, you know, we do a lot of things on social media and we'll do a lot of different fundraiser things to see her not only invest into something that's pouring into her, but to put her name mm-hmm. and to say that how um, our program has changed her life and that where I saw so much shame and embarrassment to like courage and pride. And I did this for myself. And now she can be an author. So she started writing a book. Um, and we're just so excited just to see that drastic difference of no one can I'm working on this to doing the work and super like being so invested and now being able to turn that you know that new set skill into writing a book as she's always wanted to so um that's super exciting um I know for uh, one of our uh, another adult learner who didn't even have a driver's license, didn't really have a job and was afraid of, you know, what people are going to know and it's going to be, you know, they're going to make fun of me to where um, I think it was probably halfway through she got a job. um, She's trying, she's like, you know, sounding out and using everything that she's learning. And then she just recently let us know that she was able to buy a car and that she was able Mm -hmm. to take her driver's license her driver's test didn't actually pass. And um, that was just so exciting. And this is someone who came to us because she was in a GED program, but was so low literacy that she they told her she needed something more before she can even move forward with them. Oh wow. So just to be able to see like the, the small progress, like reading is so important, but it's it's also attached to like everyday life from reading signs to you know restaurant menus to if you're on public transportation and knowing where you're going, um, so just it's so many just so many great things, and, and we had one other person really quick who um, her children are both in special ed, and her just feeling I can't do anything to help them, so um, she then shared that as she's going through the program that she does the warm up that we do before every lesson with her children to really help them. Um, so basically, sharing—we're going to go through this together, and we're all going to be successful together. And just really kind of removing that shame and bringing them along because it's the children knowing, okay, my mom understands; she's been where I have been. She's working on it, so I can work on it too, and we can work on it together. Um, so those are just uh, just a few small examples, but they're huge to me because. Unless you are someone who um, reading is not your opportunity, just learning how to sound out letters is huge. <laughs> um, so it is just um, I'm just so grateful that I just get to even be a part, a small part of their journey. And um, it's yeah, we're just we're just trying to do the work. We're we're a newer, um nonprofit. I had no idea there would be so many that would need the assistance. Mm-hmm. So that honestly was a shock to me. Um, but, you know, in the best way, a shock in how am I going to help all these people? Um, yeah. <laughs> but we are committed.
0: <laughs> That's great. I was, it's funny. I was going to ask you that question about like, why is why is adult literacy such a critical issue, which you've already answered in different ways, yeah. but I'm just going to hit them again, which you said 130 million
1: adults mm-hmm. in yeah. the United States. Is that? Yep.
2: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Would, yep. would need so that 54%, yeah. So that's 54 percent.
1: Because that I mean, <laughs> that's astounding to me that it's that that is the U.S. number. I mean, it's the majority. Yep. It's the majority. Yes. Yes. That's.
2: Yeah. When, yeah. When I was looking at that, was like, oh that's 54 percent. That's more than half. OK. Yeah. Well, we have work to do. <laughs> that's crazy.
0: But and yeah. then and then adding on to that, you've mentioned this a few times, the the impact on all of those people's lives, right? Like Mm -hmm. that shame that they carry around, the struggle from day to day of, Mm -hmm. you know, just little things that a lot of people probably, well, 42%, yes, forty forty six 46% of (laughs) people. (laughs) (laughs) But we just take for granted, right? If if it's it's not a struggle, like just reading signs and getting your driver's license and being able to apply for a job, you know, those things Mm -hmm. that are a really big deal. And yeah, and And, and some of their
2: goal is to, I want to be able to read the doctors, uh, like, and when I go to the doctor, I want to be able to read the forms, right? I want to, I want to be able to fill them out. So that's how you're getting accurate information. I did that. I would go to the doctor. I'm like, I don't know what any of this says ain't nothing wrong with me. Right. It's just, <laughs> I would leave the forms blank because mm-hmm. I didn't know how to answer them. I didn't know what they were saying. And if I did know, I didn't know how to spell what I mean to, to write down. And then, so you're like, well, do I really need to go to the doctor? I could just go next year. It's fine. So there's all wow. these, yeah. there's so many different things. Um, and it's so embarrassing, and, and that's the part it's hard to kind of get over, um, because truly some people who don't um, who don't have reading as an opportunity, and they've been able to read since they came out of the womb, they don't understand. So even like, no, this makes sense. I can't understand how people. There's there's a lot of people, you know, yeah. um, and, and most people think it's just. Um, that people are illiterate, but it's really functional illiterate, like so that where they have some skills, but but not enough to function well in society. And that's the bigger picture that I try to point out. It's not, we're not helping, we are helping adults that just can't read at all, but we're helping a lot of adults that have jobs in work, but it's at a very low level and they feel stuck where they are. And, you know, it's just, um, and, and then the other thing is there is a um, statistic that I read that devastated me is that depending on how children do at, a th- at their third grade tests, that is how they project bed-, bed cells for prison. And when I first read that, I was sobbing and I and I thought, so we give up on children in third grade, like what that that's off to me. Right. <laughs> so it's just there's a lot of opportunities from different angles But I do think that third grade can't be where we're like, okay, let's just, all right, they didn't pass. So let's just, how many bed cells, uh, beds we're going to have for prison. Like that doesn't make sense to me,
1: but. So Deidre, I'm wondering if you might be able to share about just what you've learned along the way, anything that you think is important to mention.
2: Um, we all, we all need help. (laughs) There's there's something that we all need support on. Um, and there's no shame in that. Um, so regardless of what it is, it may not be literacy. It may be something completely different. But I, I've just learned that we all need help. Um, and it is never too late to start over or to start something new. Um, so there has to be more around just starting. Um, So those are, I mean, my, my biggest things I've kind of said it earlier about, um, teachers are so, 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 so valuable. Um, but parents need to partner with teachers as well, um, to help them, you know, accomplish, uh, what they're set out to do. And that's really to pour into your child and to teach a child, right. Um, they truly are our future. So, um, and, and I think just, if you can support, you know, in any a person with anything, whatever that looks like, be be a helping hand um, because you never know whose life you will change. Um, and that can be something as little as like, you know, words of encouragement that can be helping someone who you see in the grocery store that looks like they're lost, right? You, you, they, they may need you. They may not be able to read the sign to see where it says pasta sauce, right? So, um, and you never know just what that will do and just kindness goes a long way.
1: Well, we're so glad that you're here and thank you for that message. We've linked your website in the show notes, but even more than that, I know this is like a feel good kind of season. If anyone would like to make a donation to Reading to New Heights, we've linked that as well. Thank you. Nice work, Lori. Yeah. (laughs) Come on it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> DJ, is there anything else you want our listeners to know before we go?
2: Um no, just I'm just grateful. Anytime that <laughs> I get to just share a part of my story, um my hope is that you know there's something that someone can walk away with. Um and as we are in uh the season, just remember kindness goes a long way.
0: Yeah. Well, we're grateful that you've shared this story with us and our listeners and for everything that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you.
2: Thank you, guys.
1: (laughs) Thanks for listening, Literacy Lovers. To stay connected with us, sign up for our email list at literacypodcast.com.
0: And to keep learning together, join the Melissa and Lori Love Literacy Podcast Facebook group. And be sure to follow us on
1: Instagram and Twitter. If this episode resonated with you, take a moment to share with a teacher friend or leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts.
0: Just a quick reminder that the views and opinions expressed by the hosts and guests of the Melissa and Lori Love Literacy podcast are not necessarily the opinions of Great Minds, PBC, or its employees.
1: We appreciate you so much, and we're so glad you're here to learn with us.